And now the boys on the hill, Snell Marshall, 5,000 watts, Rap, yeah. and our brother Thomas Black will be showing up later. What up, fellas? What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Chilling, once again, man. another, once again, God brought us together again to talk baseball. Yes, sir. Another week. One more. We allowed us to come together <laughs> one more time. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, boys, um, another week has gone by. More conference play. We, we had a, a couple series right off top <clears throat> that they're really, you know, are going to shape the, the races in, the, in, in respective divisions and leagues across the country. Yes, sir. Um, but you see here on the screen. There are some sweeps and some teams that kind of bounced back from disappointing uh, week last week, particularly um, a, one of the surprises of the weekend is Jackson State taking two out of three from FAMU. Um, and, you know, we played close, real close to Jackson State baseball. Um, this bar hats. Um, so what do you guys think about that series of Florida a team that was hot? They had won nine straight SWAT games before last weekend. Um, but JSU able to pull off a, a series win against against the Rattlers. Well, that's two series in a row, headed into another tough one this weekend. But um, Friday night, we came out. We were on the losing end of a game on Friday night. Um, we lost three to two. Um, I like the fact that we were down three runs late in the game, and we showed some fight. Um, Hunter Vets pitched for Florida and them. He got the win. Um we had six hits in the game, but we had three errors as well. So that maybe cost us a little in that game, those errors. But I like the fact that they came out and they competed. You know, they didn't lay down. And I thought that was a bright spot. Um, Jalen Williams was three for four. He was the key player in that um, first game. Um, you had Jalen scored a run too. Ty Hill was one for four. He scored a run. And Omar Gomez was one um, one for two. So it was just a bunch of guys contributing in the first game, trying to get the offense rolling and be competitive. And um, Nick pitched that game. He went eight innings, and he ended up getting lost. But, you know, you just – it was a th three – it was a one-run game. So there's nothing you can say about that. Uh, what's your thoughts about game two, Watts? Uh, about game two, uh, I'll be honest with you. Me, I, I was surprised that they came out with the firepower that they did. Uh, game one being a one-run game, and then they exploded in game two. I think the, that dog started coming out. You know, they, uh, they, they saw that they, they could match up with them. They're not the same team that they was the first go-around. And uh, so it, 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 was, it was an opportunity to kind of, you know, stand up and, and try to uh, attack this second half of, of the season. You know, uh, it, it was real good that it was able to – you know, get that run support for our pitching staff, the uh, game two and game three. And uh, I was actually, I was geek, man. I, I looked at the box scores in the car, man. I was on the way to Atlanta United soccer game. And I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. You know, uh, yeah, I was real excited. So, you know, it, it's good just to see the boys get, get in that rhythm, you know, uh, with it being late in April, take that momentum into May and get ready for tournament season. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's it real good that we was able to pull, pull that one out. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, two weeks ago, Jack State was one and eight in the SWAC uh, East stands, and now they've won consecutive series and now have moved up um, and are in position to possibly overtake some teams. Um, I know um, Bethune Cookman's ahead of them, Alabama State's ahead of them, but they've been playing some good ball these last couple of weeks, and you know, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. So the, the thing ain't over yet. So you never know what might happen to you these final couple of weeks of the regular season. Um, and another series we're going to transition to is um, Swack West, a uh, Prairie View, um, and M going three and zero this weekend um, in, in in their series. A surprising result for them. Um, what do you guys think about the way that they performed this weekend? I'm not gonna lie. I didn't anticipate them sweeping. Yeah. I didn't anticipate them with. They swept and um, Pine Bluff last week. Southern came off of a good series win last week and got swept. I did not see this at all. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see it. Yeah. But, man, they, they came out and they set the tempo to game one, man. You, you scored 12 runs on Southern. I mean, it's not – like we said, it's not the Southern that we was playing. You know, I, it, they probably just didn't take the adjustment. But that game one, they came out, bro, and scored 12 runs. You know, it, it, and then you had Webber, uh Trey Turner, that went three for five. You know, uh, it, it's just it's they they had a firepower to match normally what the Southern that we're typically seeing. So you know they they was able to kind of you know punch them in the mouth at game one, and then they they set that tempo for the rest of the series and was able to get the sweep. It, it surprised me. It, it really shocked me. Uh, of course, by my pickums, you can tell. But yeah, it shocked me on that one. <laughs> yeah. I agree, man. Like mm-hmm. they beat them 12, 4, <laughs> 7, 2. Like mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah. I was shocked by that, man. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's pitching offense. Yep. That's pitching offense, and it just shows that the the is any given weekend, man. It's still right. any given weekend in the swag baseball, man. Anybody the tables will turn for any team. Any pitching staff, any hitter, you know, it's it's still uh still a loving playing field for everybody in the hunt to try to get the sweat too. Yeah, Prairie View AM, they are one of two teams in the SWAT to have a winning overall record and a winning record in the conference. Prairie View 11 and 4 in the SWAC West in first place, 21 and 18 overall. Um, so they are really playing some good baseball and um as evidenced by the sweep of a very good southern team. And I'll say, Slim, one thing before we go. I know we have a different format for the show tonight. Savannah State got swept by Elwood Waters, man. Yeah, that hurt my heart right there, man. (laughs) Yeah, Savannah State have been rolling. They have won seven straight series before last weekend. And Elwood Waters, an associate member of the SIAC, they came in there and and, and swept them, man. Like a very – probably the most shocking result of the weekend, to be honest with you. Like, cause we we I spoke very highly of, of Savannah State in their play this season. Right. They their players have been prominently featured on our players of the week every single week. It seems like, and yet the Arrowwater teams, not too many people know about, came in there and gave them the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walked out with the broomstick, man. But it's all right. You know, you take one on the chin. The Savannah State still will be Savannah State. Watch them. They, they go throw up a 30-piece on somebody, whoever they play next week. Oh, <laughs> Banny. 
It's them and Albany State this weekend. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yo, it's gonna be a good series. Might have to go down to Seaport to see that. Mm. Yeah, I hit you about that. I, I, I hit you about the show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. Transition into our players of the week. Um, once again, a lot of good performances um, across the landscape of Black College baseball. Uh, first, we're gonna start with the pitchers uh, for this week. Uh, Nolan Santos of Bethune Cookman. Um, he went eight innings, gave up four hits, uh, two earned runs, and eleven strikeouts. His start this weekend. Over to the MIAC with uh, Marcos Haran for Coppin State. Complete gamer. Uh, three hits, no earned runs, and uh, three strikeouts in his start this weekend. Unfortunately, we don't have Cody Long's pitcher, and we couldn't find one on their website. But um, Miles' pitcher, Cody Long, went seven innings, a complete game uh, effort by him, 10 strikeouts, no earned runs, and one hit. So once again, fellas, uh, another um, trio of really good pitching performances o- over a weekend series. Right. Yeah. Congrats. Big shout out to uh, Compton State defense for supporting their pitcher like that. I hope he brought y'all down. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now for our hitters of the week, um, in the MEAC, we got Trey Page, Delaware State. He went 5-33, eight hits, five RBIs, with two home runs, two doubles, and he scored seven runs in a big-time series over the weekend for the Hornets. Um, going back to the SIAC, um, uh, LeChan Ross, Albany State, 538, um, seven hits, nine runs batted in, two doubles, and four runs scored over the weekend. And Methuen-Cookman had great performances all the way around on the mound at the plate, and it was at the plate led by Matthew Garcia, 500 he hit with seven hits, six RBI, three runs scored, three doubles, and a triple in Bethune-Cookman series win over the weekend. So, once again, boys, a lot of hitters put up some big-time numbers to the plate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good job, fellas. And next, did you know? One of my favorite segments of our show, um, Florida Memorial, um, they defeated NAIA number seven ranked St. Thomas, winning their first weekend series against their conference rival um, for Florida Memorial to be a ranked team um, of the caliber of St. Thomas are really big for their program. So congrats to them. Uh, Benedict College uh, and, and that doubleheader with Morris College over the weekend, they stole their 200 base of the season. 200 bases stolen in a season, a remarkable total by Benedict. Mm, I'm yes, talking sir. about they need to put them gloves on the wall like Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> <Jelly>. <laughs> yeah, and um going to the swag now. Um Grambling Shamar Page, he ranks in the top five in the NCAA with 85 strikeouts on the mound. And also we talked about Shamar Page last week as being one of the great two-way players in black college baseball. So this kid can do it on both on the mound and at the plate. And he's been devastating on the hill this year. And Coppin State's Corey Miley leads the MEAC with an on-base percentage of 515. 
at any level, that's pretty hard to do. But we salute Corey Miley for um, setting the pace in the MEAC by getting on base as many times as he does. Yes, sir. Good job, and, we'll, and we'll bring you much more, did you know? And now, coming from the bullpen, we have the head coach of Bethune-Cookman Baseball, Jonathan Hernandez, joining us. And welcome to the welcome to the stream, Coach. What's up, man? Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good. Doing good, good Coach. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So we just want to give a little background on Coach. He's a former high school coach from Hialeah High School down there in Miami. Um, he went from there to ASA Miami Community College and took that program over for four years before Going on to Bethune-Cookman, where he's the coach now, and he's had some stops in between there with USA Baseball and some other things. But, Coach, it was – now you tell – fill us the rest of the little spots in for us. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey, no doubt. Um, you know, I started off uh, – I actually played at Florida Memorial, so the fact that, you know, the, the Lions out there, you know, defeated St. Thomas, that's a big win for Coach Burgos and his staff and that program. So, you know, pumped up uh, about that, and Coach Burgos is a very good friend of mine, so I had to kind of throw that in there. Uh, but, yeah, man, I started coaching college. Um, you know, I got injured, and um, I knew that this is something that, that I wanted to pursue. Uh, it was a passion of mine, and I wanted to give – you know, back to what the game, you know, gave me, you know, opportunities for life lessons all the way around, just the relationships with uh, people still to this day uh, that I'm able to have. So, um, you know, coached uh, high school for a little bit, then I got an opportunity to be, you know, coaching at Hialeah High School, and that's where I played at. Uh, we won two state titles while I was there as a part of the state championship team. And, um, you know, his good friends, you know, that Gio Gonzalez was former big leaguer, you know, for about 12, 13 years. He's a really good friend of mine, childhood friend. And, you know, he made the big leagues and um, it, it, was, it was a good group that we had there. And, and the thing is, it was different back then than what it is now, because we all played. It seemed like we all played Little League together. We all played in the local rec park together. We all came up, you know, middle school and then high school. And, you know, we, we put together, you know, some some pretty good things down there when I played. So, um, you know, coached high school for three years prior to me being at Hialeah High School. Uh, fortunate enough to, you know, have great kids and, you know, do what we did and kind of put us uh, to continue the tradition there where I think it was my second or third year we went to the state final four. Um, you know, and that, that's been the, the long history and tradition of Hialeah baseball. Uh, from there, man, I get an opportunity to go to ASA College. Um, you know, it was a startup program in North Miami Beach. Um, I figured that, you know, why not, you know, just 25, 26 years old, kind of get thrown to the fire against, you know, some of these big time programs in Florida. That, and even in Miami, you got Miami Dade, you got Broward, Indian River, Florida Southwestern, like all these top notch junior college baseball programs. And we were able to build up a program, you know, that that was successful. Um, it's still kind of my baby, so to speak, uh, because I still check into that program. And, you know, I wanted to succeed because, we legit started it from the ground up. You know, each one of those players were a part of history, um, you know, and I still have relationships with There's uh, able to move some guys on to the Division One level, Division Two level, Division Three, NAIA, um, and giving kids opportunities that it was much needed at the time, especially down in Miami, Florida, because um, there's only so many roster spots to go around, um, you know, in our county and in the state. So, you know, the fact they were able to branch out and, and do some stuff there, you know, it was it was great. 
um, had some stops with USA Baseball, like you mentioned. Uh, worked with them on their national team scouting identification staff. So um, I was able to do some scouting for them, putting the teams together. And I was fortunate and blessed to be a part of their 14-year national team as a pitching coach. Um, you know, so that was good. And from there, man, I got the opportunity to come to Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach. Um, you know, very long road, uh, so to speak. But um, I think for me, man, I, I take it with with a great honor. It's a great privilege to, to be the head coach at Bethune-Cookman with a longstanding tradition uh, of our program. And, you know, I, I really do take that with with great honor, man, because, you know, there's only so many spots at the Division One level. And for me to be one of maybe 200-something head coaches in the Division One level is something that, that, that I carry with me day in and day out, no doubt. So, Coach, um, when did you know that um, coaching was kind of your purpose or something that you were kind of like destined to do? I think when I was in high school, man, like I always was intrigued about the intricacies about the game. You know, why are we running a first and third defense? Why are we doing this bump play? Why are we setting up the way that we, like there was always the question why? And it, we didn't have technology like how we have it now back then. So you would see Sports Center, um, you know, and kind of watch baseball and it was for me, I had the opportunity to to learn the game and I just fell in love with it, you know, and, and I wanted to always learn. I wanted to be a student of the game. Um, and I think that when I was in high school, too, uh, we would go to spring training. Uh, every spring training site we would be able to go to during the spring because uh, the high school wouldn't play on the weekends. And again, I just kind of fell in love with, you know, what the game is able to provide. And, and I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. I was a lefty throwing 82 to 84. Um, and I knew, hey, man, like, I don't I don't have to make the big leagues to stay in baseball. Right. And and I just decided to go on with it. And, and I chose to 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 take that route. And God's blessed me, man, with the opportunity to be where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. Great coach. Once again, 5000 watts. I appreciate you coming on our stream, you know, talking and showing love. Uh, I have a question. You were just talking about your playing years. Uh, what kind of superstitions did you have when you was playing that, you know, you probably you know, you carried on with you as you uh, develop into your uh, coaching career? One of the things I got to do, man, before every game, it don't matter if it's a 10 o'clock game, 7 o'clock game, I got to find the shower and I got to take a shower before before game, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about it. It just calms you down a little bit. Um, but, I mean, that that's, that's where it goes. I mean, I'm not – I'm not too, I, I got to wash my socks. You got to wash your undergarments. You get what I'm saying? But um, I definitely got to shower, you know, before any game. It's just for me. I just, I don't know what it is. It's just shower up and just relax mm -hmm. and then get ready to go. I understand that. Yeah. So, Coach, you, you mentioned that you would, you coached in high school. You built the program from the ground up, junior college. Now you're in college as division one level coaching how do those experiences with the responsibilities that you had to be responsible for at each stop prepare you for where you are now i think it, it all plays a role i think uh, at, at, at the high school level it, it was first kind of learning um it, it was first more about you got to win you got to win you got to win i was young um i think that we all learn and grow through our experiences and i think that that allowed me to take a step back and say hey man like winning is great but at the end of the day like we're here to build men um, and and the, this is, you know, 15 to 18 year old kids where this is a crucial point in their lives. So I think that that taught me, you know, to, to handle those situations with, with these kids and really be there for them uh, before they 
quote unquote, step into the real world or they're, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old heading out to college. Um, I think I, I learned how to organize myself a little bit better when I was in high school um, and correcting myself. You know, I was coaching third base and at the time it, it happens everywhere, right? Like you send the players, like, why'd you send them home when, you know, he could have just held up just certain situations here and there that, that it taught me to. It taught, I was able to teach or the game was able to teach me a little bit better uh, there. I think once I got to junior college, I mean, at JUCO, you're the academic advisor, you're the financial aid counselor, you're, you know, the scheduling person, you're the budget personnel, you handle recruiting, you wear so many different hats because the resources aren't there, um, you know, for you. So I think for me too, man, uh, it, it taught me where I wasn't going to just lay down and say, well, hey, he's going to this school, I'm, I'm not going to go after him. At the end of the day, like this is a college baseball program. It's in Miami. We play a top 25 schedule in JUCO and we have an opportunity to win a regional or win a conference and get to a regional. Um, and I think it allowed for that kind of grind mindset of don't be scared about going after players. What's the worst they're going to tell you? No. All right. Thank you. You move on. You have a list ready to go. And I think where we were at, especially when we moved in Hialeah, the ASA college, it was in between a Burlington co-factory and an LA Fitness and a Planet Fitness. If we can sell that, I think that we can, you know, I, I can go to the next stop and, and handle that a little bit better, to be honest with you. But, um, man, that, that experience, it was, I think it was maybe like eight or nine people in the athletic department. Um, and I'm forever grateful for Kenny Wilcox, who gave me an opportunity to lead that program and believe in me, um, you know, to do what we had to do. And we had a great run, um, you know, out there. And then now at, at Bethune, it's a situation where you're this is the last stop now until now these dudes for real get into the real world. So this is a situation where, yeah, man, we want to win. I get it. And head coaches get defined by their win and loss records. But for us, we have to be able to prepare our student athletes for the game of life. And anything and everything that we do is catered towards life lessons that are going to assist these young men to, to become better husbands, uh, better fathers, you know, role models in their community, because that's the goal at the end of the day. Uh, you can't even fill a major league stadium with the amount of players that have had the opportunity to play major league baseball. So whatever we, we can do to develop these young men, um, you know, to be positive role models in their community. I mean, we're, we're all for that. Uh, you know, and again, I'm just blessed to be where I'm at, man. You talk about transitioning um, in terms of your student athletes from college to life, but as a program, uh, Bethune Cookman went through a pretty big transition last year um, by saying that they were going to go from the MEAC to the SWAT. So what's that What's that change been like for you guys coming over to a new league and have to learn whole new teams and all that stuff over again? Um, it, it, it's been good. Um, it, the transition has is, is been fine, in my opinion. I mean, baseball is baseball. Um, I think that there is differences in, in both leagues. Um, you know, both leagues have uh, really good teams and really good coaches. Um, you know, but I think the difference is the MEAC, it's a little bit more pitching and defense driven. Um, you know, and I think obviously the swag going into it, you see the offensive numbers um, are a little bit higher, and a little bit better. Um, and I think that that's evident. This is no disrespect to each division. You see the West, it seems like the offensive numbers are through the charts. Now you add FAMU and, and us into the mix, into the East, you see that the offensive numbers aren't as high, but the pitching numbers are, are a little bit better. You know, and again, this is nothing to take away from any team on any division. All 12 head coaches in the SWAC or 11 coaches in the SWAC do a phenomenal job with their programs. Um, but but I think at the end of the day, the pitching and defense in the MEAC, and I think the SWAC is a little bit more offensively, athletically driven. 
Um, but it's good baseball all the way around. Um, I think the recruiting has gotten a lot better uh, from, from what I've seen so far. I think the scheduling of teams has been phenomenal so far through in and, you know, through this year. Um, and, like, man, you guys mentioned, I think, earlier, it's any given weekend, you know, anything can happen. You know, you, you can't let yourself just say, hey, I got this in the bag because you got teams that are coming out and it feels like sometimes you're 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 the hunter, not the hunted and vice versa. Then the other week you're the hunted, not the hunted. So um, but I, I think it's a great league. I, I really do think it's a bona fide conference. And, and if people would really give HBCU baseball a chance and especially the swag, uh, swag baseball is good, man. And, and it's evident by the scores, not only in midweeks, but in non-conference play as a whole. True. True. So, Coach, so who would you say has so far been your toughest matchup in SWAC play uh, going through the first half of the season? Man, you can't take yeah. away anything from any other team. I think every matchup has been tough um, mm -hmm. because each team is going to have one or two arms that are going to start, um, and you got to come ready to play. You know, every team is going to have good defense, you know, and, and obviously speaking just on the east side because we haven't seen the west. But, you know, from my experience, man, you, you can't have a day where you're just going to oh, – I'm going to take a day off. Like, you got to be ready to play. You know, Jackson State, although, you know, whatever happened during the beginning of the season, I mean, it looks like they're turning the corner, you know, after, you know, taking two out of three from FAMU. You know, Coach Shoup does a really good job at FAMU with the two dudes they have on the mound and their bullpen and their offense. I mean, that, that's a team that, um, you know, again, you, you got to be ready to compete. And we all know Alabama State, you know, Coach Vasquez, I mean, last night I think they had a one-run lead um, uh, over over Auburn. Um, and then they were up and, by and one. They were up. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's a situation. And even Valley, like, listen, Valley with Coach Stubbs over there, like that program is going to change a little bit quicker than people realize. And they play well at home. Um, and again, man, Coach Stubbs is coming in and he's done, I think he's done a phenomenal job in year one, you know, turning that program over. So um, I think, again, any given weekend, you have to be ready to play. And, you know, it's a situation where, you know, you have to get out there. And Coach Jones does a great job too at Alabama A&M. You know, they, they, we all do a good job. They, they all do a good job. And um, I, I think the competition is very, very fierce, not only on the East, but the West as well. So, Coach, when you – I like I, – me being a coach myself, um, I, I'm always – I like looking at the players, like with the scouting. I love scouting. Um, when you recruit, what are you looking for? If I'm a high school player – and I'm interested in Bethune Cookman. What what are some things? What are some skills or some things on the field that you look at to identify a guy that could potentially be a Wildcat? Well, can they play at this level? I think that that's the first question. You know, can can they play and they, can they compete at, at a high level? Because for us, I mean, we we try and we, we always want to recruit better players than what we have on our current roster. So I think you have to kind of gauge: is is this guy better than what you have right now? And this is no disrespect to the kids that are on current, you know, teams right now. But if we all want to excel and we want to get better, I mean, that's part of life, too. You know, there's always somebody that's going to come out that if you don't do your job is going to come out and, you know, want to take that job from you. So, you you know, you start there. Um, then you see the bat to ball skills. You know, you see the athleticism. If they're an outfielder, can they cover ground? You know, do they have a strong arm? And is it strong? Is it accurate? Is he a top of the order guy? Is he a on base guy or is he a power guy? Well, if he's a power guy and the numbers are there now, who is he hitting against? You know, is he hitting against a kid that's throwing 78, 80, or is he doing it against a high velo guy with two pitches or three pitches that that does well? So 
Um, you know, infielders, you know, how is their, their, their actions, their feet work, their arm strength? Is it a guy that has some range up the middle? Uh, if it's a catcher, you know, is it a guy that's going to have, we all know in the swag, everyone's going to run. So you're going to have to have a catch and throw guy. Forget about the offensive side of a catcher, in my opinion. If, if we're going to stop the run, we need a guy that's going to be able to stop the run. And then on the mound, it all, it all depends kind of curtails to what your philosophy and what your system is. Is it a high velo guy with, you know, maybe average um, command? Or would you take a guy that's a little bit lower in velo, but he's got three pitches that he could command well? Um, but, it, it, I mean, I guess everyone is different. Um, and I think that the roster is going to tell you what you need. Um, and there's situations where there's been very good players that we, at least for us at Bethune, that we're unable to recruit because those positions have been already locked up and we feel comfortable where we're at um, within our roster. So, um, you know, that that's as far as the playing side. But, you know, how are they off the field, man? Makeup and character, those that, that's huge for us. You know, and I think for the high school kids and even the junior college kids, they need to understand that once we ask for transcripts, that's going to reveal your character. You know, if you're just at a 2-0, like, I'm sorry, but Bethune is not the place for you because I have to be able to trust you to get your job done in the classroom. You know, and I think I can speak that for, for any coach out there. You know, we just don't want to deal with that headache. I'll take an average player with great grades, you know, as opposed to a pretty good player, but it's going to give me problems in on the academic side because now you're hurting your APR. You're hurting your retention rate. You're hitting, you're hurting your graduation rate. Those are all things that are important to us, especially here at Bethune as it is, I'm sure, all the way across the country. Um, you know, how they act with their teammates. You know, are they going to be the same guy when they're three for three with three home runs? You better be the same guy when you're 0 for three with three punch outs. You know, like there can't be too high. You're so high, then you're so low. Like it's, it's got to be even keel, man. We all know baseball is a game of failure. You fail seven out of ten times, you're considered an all-star, maybe even a Hall of Famer. So, you know, those are some, you know, I guess intangibles that, that we look for as well. You talk about the makeup of the guys you want to recruit, but some guys on your current roster are having some really good seasons. Um, we highlighted Matthew Garcia for his big weekend he had. Um, Nolan Santos has been really good on the mound for you guys this year. Um, so how would you say your team has come along in terms of getting getting some of those good performances out of guys this season that you can rely on week in and week out? Um, I think they've done a pretty good job, man. I mean, uh, listen, it, it, 2020 impacted everybody. 2021, we didn't play, you know, so and, and not a lot of people realize this, that once we opted out of athletics, we only had nine guys that stayed on our roster. So guys like Nelvin Santos, Matthew Garcia, Colton Olison, Frankie Febles, Boris Pena, Alec Mendez, like those guys were a part of our first recruiting class that touched down here in the fall of 2019 that played 2020 were freshmen. Once we opted out, we had to send them to junior college because they needed to get the experience and play. And, and at that point, it's not about me. I'm done playing. You know, it's yeah. about these kids and, and what was best for them. You know, sometimes you got to check your ego at the door because, you know, it's, it's the students, it's about them. Again, it's, it's not about me. So even if there was a risk that they weren't going to come back, it just didn't feel right for them to kind of sit around at home for a year until we got back going. So, you know, I think, for, for us, with the recruiting that we did to stabilize the program, um, you know, we're at 36, 37 players right now. So we did a lot of work on the recruiting side. Um, I think right now we're doing well, man. We're, we're, we're right where we want to be. We're not peaking, you know, so quick into the season, um, but we're definitely not at the bottom. So we just got to take care of business, man. And guys like Garcia, Santos, Liptrat, 
Brenton Fisher in the back end of the bullpen, um, you know, Frank Febles, I mean, Chris Patterson, Malik Stevens, like all those guys are performing at, at, at the level where we want them to perform and they're still getting better day in and day out. So uh, very pleased with, with where we're at, but we know that what our long-term goal is and we got to get better in order to achieve our long-term goal. All right. Speaking of long-term goals, Coach, where do you see the future of college baseball? I just don't want to think like four years ahead, but say like the next two with y'all being the addition of the swag. I, like we was talking earlier in the season, like I'm real excited with their family. I think a lot of people was excited because of football. No, I was excited because of baseball. Because I've always watched Bethune and FAMU when I was in the MEAC and everything. And I'm a South Georgia boy, so Savannah State, all that whole kind of area has always been, you know, those teams. Uh, where do you see the future of not only the SWAC, uh, but just black college baseball? Um, I, I think it's heading. Yeah, I think I think it's heading in a positive direction. You know, I think yeah, with the additions of Bethune and Fam um, into the SWAC. I mean, listen, there's 12 of us. Any one of us can win the conference, and I truly do believe the way that we continue to schedule our games, and uh, it's going to be a situation where we're going to rock the nation as far as a conference to get an at-large bid. You know, now there's a lot of things that have to take place for that. But I think us as a conference, the 12 coaches, we, we're, we're coming together and, and we're saying, if this is what we want to do, this is how we have to do it. And we all have to align ourselves with the vision of our long-term goal to grow the conference. I mean, it's, it's no secret, man. Football is king, right? Like, we get that. Um, but, but I think that there's something to say about the competition, about the coaches, about the student athletes that play um, in the SWAC. And, and it's only going to get better. The recruiting is going to get better. You know, the games are going to get better. The games are going to get tighter. You have access to junior college recruiting. You have access to the transfer reporter. The, there's going to be a lot of things that are in the mix that are going to help, you know, not only SWAC, but black college baseball as a whole. Coach, you, you just said some, the transfer portal. Um, we talked about it, the transfer portal impact um, on baseball in an earlier episode. Um, how do you – we know the impact it's had on football um, in the SWAC. How do you think the transfer portal is going to impact SWAC recruiting and rosters in the future? I think it won't be as quick as what it is in football. Um, okay. That's just my opinion. I think it's going to take about two or three years, in, in my opinion. You know, and, and others may agree, may disagree, but you're asking for my opinion. That's my opinion, you know. Um, but But I think that you have to be careful, too, with the portal, right, because – do you want to take a kid from, let's say, a power five you know, program but didn't play much just because he's a power five kid? Or would you take a mid-major kid that has the experience, the games on their belt that you know that's going to help you win ball games? And, and, and are they going to fit your system? You know, so so I think that in baseball, there's there's obviously 299 Division one baseball programs in the country and they can kind of pick wherever they want. But I, I really do think, man, like if you have a strong schedule, you compete against those big time schools, well, hey, you can come like, let's say to a school like Bethune that plays against LSU, against Florida, Miami, Florida State, all these big time programs. And we compete in those games, you know? And um, I really do think that it's gonna take two or three years for the transfer portal to affect in a positive manner, I think SWAC conference, you know? Um, again, it, that's my opinion. Others may agree, others may disagree, but but that's where I think, um, you know, where, where it's at. 
you're talking about the schedule and how that could possibly help you guys recruit in the offseason. Just talk about the philosophy of, of how you go about putting that together. I know in sports like football and baseball is kind of frowned upon for uh, a HBCU school to play at a, a power five school and non-conference play, but you guys embrace it. Um, you, you guys want to play against LSU in Florida and Miami like you did last night. So just talk about the philosophy of putting together a schedule and a tough schedule for your ball club. Well, I think if, if for us, we understand and, you know, in the MEAC, you know, 19 conference championships in 22 years, you know, it's three regional sites that Bethune always went to. It was Miami, Florida, Florida State. I mean, you weren't going anywhere else. I think there was one year that uh, Bethune went to the, the Ole Miss region. I believe that was in 2002 or 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it's a situation for us, man. Like, listen, if our long-term goal, we want to be the first HBCU baseball program to to get to Omaha and not settle just getting to Omaha, you know, have a, a, a productive showing that we have to challenge our players, challenge our staff members, and challenge our university to let them know that if this is a long-term goal for us, these are the type of teams that we're going to play. And and the, the beauty about it is you, you challenge everybody, and, and we have nothing to lose and everything to gain by that. We really do. And, and it's a situation where, listen, like if you face adversity in your life, you're going to have to embrace it and you're going to have to overcome it. You know, at the end of the day, you trust in your training, you trust in what you preach and what your philosophy is. And listen, if it, if it works out great, if not, you build from that and you learn and you set yourself up for for your long term approach of, of what you want to accomplish. You know, but I think we do embrace it. I mean, I'll, I'll say it here and I'll keep it kind of real. Like we ain't going back down from anybody. You know, if anybody wants to play us, I mean, you know, they, they can go ahead and, you know, hit us up and, and do what they got to do. But um, I, I think that we do embrace the tough schedule um, because, you know, that that's the type of teams we're going to play in, in a regional if it, um, if it gets to it. Yeah, Coach, talk about adversity. Um, you mentioned it before we got on live here tonight, something that you did to kind of bide your time when you guys were not playing ball. Could you like to tell the audience kind of like, kind of like the side else that you kind of took up when you were not coaching and there was no games we played? Yeah, so when we opted out, you know, our university, we, you know, our staff members, you know, they, they were all furloughed. Um, and that's tough, you know, but we were furloughed for, you know, quite some time. And I'm a grinder, you know, I'm going to, again, keep it 100. You know, I, I drove for Amazon, you know, for, you know, for, for those six, seven, eight months that we were furloughed. So I was delivering packages all across Daytona Beach, Palm Coast, and, um again it's it's a situation where life's not going to give you everything that you want you know and, and things aren't going to go your way but if you keep yourself in a positive mindset and, and you get after it and you work there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel so it, it's a situation where you can sit down and mope around it and say oh man like why is this happening to me and you feel sorry for yourself or you kind of buck up and you say hey man i'm here like let's just go this is just you know, God telling me like, hey, this is something you have to go through. But it's going to it's going to help you at some point in your life. So, uh, yeah, man, I had that side hustle of delivering Amazon um, and I don't shy away from telling anybody that, um, you know, and, and it was it was tough, no doubt. But you appreciate, too, and you put yourself in perspective of what you do have. Um, I remember sitting down in the couch, you know, that first week and I was done. And I just told my wife, like, I know at some point we're going to get back to the field. And I get that. But there's people that really have to do this, you know, to make ends meet. And, and this is what people do. And, um, you know, again, man, I'm just very blessed and fortunate to be able to coach baseball and and the players that, that, that we have and the student athletes that I've been able to have relationships with. Like, I'm blessed, man, because without them, I'm definitely not here 
um, at Bethune Cookman, no doubt. That's what's up. Um, can you speak on any of your incoming freshmen that you've already signed to National Letters of Intent? Yeah, uh, we have uh, Pablo Torres. He's a right-handed pitcher. Um, he signed to come to Bethune Cookman. Um, I think his uh, people ask me, who do you kind of compare him to him? And he's Marcus Stroman. Mm. That that's who I think he is on the mound. You know, um, you know he's he's going to be ninety ninety three. He's going to have a three pitch mix. Um, you know, he's he, he's very very good. Um, you know, so excited about him. Uh, it's a small class for us uh, just because we brought in a big uh, junior college class, but we're bringing in a left-handed pitcher from Eastern Florida State, Dylan Diegas. Um, you know, he'll compete for a spot for us, you know, on the mound, provide some experience, especially some pitching from the left side. Uh, Cameron King is, is a high school, um, you know, 2022 uh, signee uh, coming to Bethune, and he's a super utility guy. I mean, I know that we have current on our roster, Malik Stevens and, and Patterson who can run. Um, and some other guys, but Cam's going to push those dudes and he's going to be able to learn under some of our older guys, um, the game and, and we're excited about him. And then behind the dish, you know, that, that have signed the letter of intent, you have Skylo Arroyo as well. He, he's a defensive catcher. Um, he's a little bit undersized, but you know, I, I'll take that any day of the week, but you know, we're still putting our finishing touches to, to our recruiting class to, to finalize it, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, those are the four guys that, that we've signed to the national letter of intents for the fall 2022. Okay. Yeah. Might have to reach out to them. Yeah. Bring them on. <laughs> yeah. Coach, um, you talk about recruiting and, and, and everything and how you go about you're doing it and the type of guys you look for in terms of want to be wildcats. Um, when you look at the, the landscape of black college baseball, um, we, we noticed it like the later years in our careers at Jackson State, we kind of noticed like a lot of teams are are not totally black. Um, um, how do you go about recruiting players as, as, a, as, a, as a black college coach, um, but wanting to get the best players and they might not always happen to be African-American? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to go after the kids that are going to fit your system, but you also have a responsibility to the HBCU landscape. I mean, that it is what it is, you know. Um, a lot of people are going to, again, not like what I have to say, but I think travel ball is crazy expensive right now, you know. So how do we put ourselves in a situation to recruit not only the African-American kid, but the Hispanic Latino kid or maybe, you know, any other kid that wants to play baseball, but it's $600 to attend the showcase. You know, I think that off the top of my head, maybe there's two or three organizations that do a very good job of putting us coaches in front of, you know, the minority baseball players that want to have an opportunity. And they got to be able to play at this level. You know, if, at the end of the day, they have to fit our system. They have to do what, you know, what they need to do in order for us to recruit them. You know, there, there's a lot of factors that come into play. But, you know, I think think about it, man. Like you go you go to Dick's Sporting Goods right now. How much is a glove going to cost you? Three hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, a bat is going to be four hundred dollars. That's seven hundred dollars without even stepping on a field. Cleats are going to be another hundred bucks. Then you need to play baseball. Then, yeah. then you need a field. I mean, it is what it is. It's just crazy expensive right now. And then the exposure piece, I think the, the RBI, you know, MLB has done a phenomenal job of incorporating, you know, the, the RBI program, you know, obviously the, the Hank Aaron invitational where, where we've, you know, been fortunate enough to, to be a part of and putting situations for us to recruit, you know, the, the minority baseball player. But, but I do think that, you know, it is tough, you know, because you want to be able to you have a responsibility as a head coach to, you know, obviously field the team, a very competitive team. 
So how do you do that if you, the resources aren't there for players to make have those opportunities? So again, I think that there's two or three organizations that do a very good job of putting us in front of you know the minority players to give them opportunities. But with that, what is the roster need? You know, now, now here's a deal. Like we go after kids, but they're committing to big time power five programs, you know, but nobody wants to talk about that either. So, okay, you're going after, you know, let's say an African-American kid and all of a sudden, well, I'm not going to Bethune. I'm not going to HBCU. I'm going to go to the Bells and Whistles and go to a Georgia Tech. I'm going to go to a Georgia. I'm going to go to a Vandy. And, and okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that that gets lost in the conversation as well, where, you know, we are doing our due diligence to do what we need to do. But you know, how can you compete? Now that's where the transfer portal comes in. You never burn a bridge because then that kid goes to that power five program or that other top mid major program and he didn't have a great experience, but we hit it off. We had a great relationship. And then let me go coach coach Hernandez at Bethune and see if you got a spot for me. Like, here you go. Come on home. Let's go. Let's do what we got to do. I like that. Me too. <clears throat> so coach, when, when you're competing, like do your, do your guys, like when you, do you get, are you a big rah rah guy? Are you an even kill type of guy? Like what's like what's your mentality? Like what's your what's your vibe as the kids say when doing a game? Yeah. Like right before the game starts, the whole process. Yeah, man. Um, it, it's obviously changed. I think early on in my career, I was a rah rah guy. You know, it was it was all emotion, and but I think as you get older, as you learn, and as you kind of you know grow. Uh, you understand that sometimes showing too much emotion hurts the ball club. You know, I think that they, during the game, I think the team picks up, you know, not only after your personality, but how you feel. So, you know, if you're calm, cool, collective, there's no panic. You know, they can't tell whether um, inside, like, yeah, let's go, or or they're like, you know, what's going on? You know, so I just kind of keep it even cue. I think that there's moments in a game where you do have to get rah-rah a little bit, but not too much where you instill panic in your team. So I think that that's one of the things through these, you know, four years that has allowed me to grow in that set where it's not so much. It doesn't have to be raw, raw all the time. I think you can get your point across with just being calm, cool, collective, because we all know, right, uh, cooler heads always prevail. True, true. Yeah, because I know sometimes when you're playing, you, on the inside, you got to be raw, raw, right? Maybe mm -hmm. not on the outside, but on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can, don't get me wrong, like, I'll get fired up now. You know, um, if our guys make a great play or, you know, big punch out or, you know, last night uh, at Miami, we had a relay guy at second uh, double down the left field line. And then Stevens throws to Perez at third baseman. Perez throws to Escobar to nail the runner out. I mean, yeah, you're going to get fired up for a play like that. But I think that if you're too raw while the whole game, I, it, you just lose, you know, I, I guess you just lose perspective of what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, and I've come to grips with that, you know, and, and that's why, you know, being calm, cool, collective, man, I think that's that's the way to go. Um, but it's OK to show some type of emotion. Right. We're all human. Um, but I think too much it, it'll kind of go sideways, especially if, if you you want your if we're telling our teams, hey, slow the game down. Hey, just calm down. Well, we can't be telling them that and just going berserk every pitch, every play, um, you know, stuff like that. Yes, of course, I'm going to ask you right now, man, like. You guys in third place in the Swag East. What percentage do you give the guys to win a division and, and, and go to the tournament and, and make the field of 68? Well, we got 15 games left, man. I guess after the 15, uh, we'll probably come back to that question. You know, because <laughs> the, the, the thing is, is you don't want to put yourself in a situation where, you know, yeah, hey, let's let's do what we got to do and we're going to be the number one or you chase a seat. 
you know, I think for us, the realistic version of, of the best of ourselves is going to say, hey, man, like this is year one of really a rebuilding year, if you think about it, you know, with a brand new team. So let's just get in the tournament. Let's see what happens. You know, obviously, yeah, you want to go out and win the SWAC championship, no doubt. You know, that that's everyone's goal. But I, I think if we get in, it's going to be a dangerous team because of the pitching that we have. You know, especially kind of cross, you know, when we play cross division, I guess, when, when we get there, how the swag is set up, you know, but I think we're in a good spot right now. You know, again, I don't think that we've played the best baseball um, so far and we've played some pretty good baseball, you know, all year round. We just got to be a little bit more consistent in, in some of the little details that that we want to be in order to to accomplish our, our goal. Um, but, man, the East is, is so tough. So, you know, again, any given any given weekend, anything can happen. You know, I mean. We went from winning three straight series to then getting swept by FAMU, you know, and then we bounced back with a sweep last weekend. So we take it one day at a time. We got to control what we can and just it, it is what it is at the end of the day. But but yeah, I mean, we, I feel good. We feel good about our team. Um, you know, it's just kind of putting it together and stay strong these last four or five weeks as we wrap up conference play. Now, Coach, I know since we before we made we played at Jackson State, and even while we was there, um, and even now, offense has always been it's it's always been an offensive driven league. As far as recruiting, how do we identify those arms that take us to the next level? Because we're not when we play the the mid major teams and the Power Fives, we're not outmatched position wise. It's the quality and the depth on the mound. How, how do we close that gap? I think it all depends on, again, what the roster holds, you know, financial resources, you know, scholarships, you know, maybe academic money packages. There's one thing that I learned from our former athletic director, VP Lynn Thompson. You got to think outside the box because you can't afford the box. So you have to be creative in your recruiting and in your landscape as to, okay, it, what is your end goal? Is your end goal going to be just a swag championship? And I'd be quite honest with you, for us, we're not going to settle. We're never going to settle. So we put our situation where, okay, maybe we got to recruit, you know, an extra arm or two that, you know, is not – they're going to give us the best opportunity possible to compete in some of these, you know, midweek Power 5 matchups. And that's why we decided to take this schedule on because we felt that with the pitching that we had, we had our own – you know, pitching staff for the SWAC. And then we had pitchers that could compete for us in our midweek. And if we can piggyback one or two arms like we did last night against the University of Miami to throw against a, a power five team or, you know, a midweek matchup, then we feel good about it. You know, but but I think that um, I, I think the recruiting all the way around in the conference is getting a lot better. You know, I think a lot of teams are recruiting nationally, not just within their area, especially now with Bethune and FAM into the mix. You got you know, all the schools are now dipping into Florida, you know, if they hadn't done before. Now we're dipping into some areas where maybe we didn't have a stronghold because, hey, we play these teams in the SWAC. So guess what? You get to go back home for a weekend every year and just have a home cooked meal and stuff like that. So um, I think it comes down to, again, just what the roster holds, you know, and, and what's the end goal, financial resources, you know, the scholarships that are available and, you know, how we as coaches are able to be creative in, in the way that we construct the roster as well, especially on the pitching side. Okay. Um, and also, with you all being a private university, does that affect what you're able to do with your scholarship situation? 
Um, not really. You know, I, we're definitely not at 11.7. You know, I'll be the first one to tell you that. And a lot of people think that we are, but, you know, we're definitely nowhere near the 11.7. So we just got to get creative in, in how we're doing. And, you know, maybe we take a kid that isn't at the elite talent level, but, you know, I feel, we feel as a coaching staff that we can develop them and get them to a point where they're going to help us and, and, and be a guy, but his grades are good. So now he's a full Pell Grant, you know, FAFSA, and he's a Florida resident. So add, that adds money onto that. And then with their academic threshold, now all of a sudden, you know, uh, the education part of the economic part of it is not even a factor because you've taken care of what you needed to through your financial aid, through your Pell Grant, and then, um, I'm sorry, through being a Florida resident and your academic standings, you know, so that all comes into play, man. Like, you know, it, it is what it is, you know. So, um, you know, I, I think for us, I mean, we do a pretty good job. Um, I, I think, um, you know, overall with the packages that we're able to to give or, or to the kids earn because of their academic standing, um, you know, it definitely does help when we do not have the, I guess, baseball scholarship allotment of 11.7 or nowhere near that. Wow. Yeah. But does it help at all, you know, being – Doing Cookman in Florida. I know Florida is known for hotbed for football, but like it's also hotbed for baseball too. Um, a lot of talent down there, especially in the Miami area where you're from. So, how much does that help in recruiting? Knowing you can get guys from like a, a kind of a rich area to to recruit from. Well, you stay in the state of Florida. You know, why would you want to leave Florida? Mm -hmm. You know. And plus the facilities that we have, we're very fortunate to play at Jackie Robinson Ballpark. And if you guys haven't been there, it's all turf. You know. So we have a relationship with the Cincinnati Reds minor league organization. So we have brand new video board, you know, it, it's all turf. Um, and now the city of Daytona Beach is going to pump in another $4 million to renovations, you know, to the stadium. So th those are those are all things that kind of separate us a little bit as to, you know, why would you want to leave Florida? You know, if you're from South Florida and we do have a lot of players on our roster from South Florida, it's only three and a half hours from Miami. So you're kind of home away from home. Our schedule is so regionalized and we're fortunate to stay within the state of Florida to play all these teams within driving distance where family members, you know, whether they're in central Florida, south Florida or even northern part of Florida, you know, they can come. It's going to be a two, three hour drive at best or at worst, you know, to see, you know, for the families to see the, the players, uh, you know, play and represent Bethune-Cookman University. And I think, again, you speak to the schedule. We don't schedule any NEIA teams, any Division II teams. You know, we're, we're again, we're in a situation where we're blessed to have 12 other Division I programs in the state of Florida that we're able to fill our midweeks with. We're able to bring some of the teams from up north because they want to get away from the snow. And then you put yourself, we played Ohio State. You know, we took two from Ohio State in my first year. We took two out of three from Boston College the year before. Bethune swept Boston College. So out of the last six games against Boston College, Bethune is five wins and, and only one loss. Um, you know, so, so again, it's a situation to, to compete against the nation's best. And for us at Bethune, we're just not going to back down to anybody. You know, if they want to play us, we're going to play. And how could you honestly turn that down as, as a kid that, that's being recruited by Bethune, um, you know, have an opportunity to play against the best and continue to develop and have beautiful facilities, um, there in Daytona beach. Yeah, coach, um, on our show, we, we kind of started this show with the idea of wanting to get more exposure for guys like yourself and, and some of the players and some of the players around the country. And we often talk about the lack of exposure, kind of like black college baseball has gotten going back to even when we played ball like 20 years ago. Um, what do you think it, it's going to take for people like yourself 
in the game itself to be embraced and get the exposure that we kind of think it kind of deserves. Marketing, man. You got to be able to market your brand. You got to be able to market your program. You're going to have to be able to do some features and, and do what needs to be done, you know, and at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm a marketing guy. You know, I graduated with a marketing degree. So, you know, anything that we do, I hang out with the SID uh, with Bryce and he does a phenomenal job and we collab together on how can we get, you know, somebody to see whatever we got to do on Twitter, on Instagram. Like we all know the kids are on social media 24 seven. You know, so if we're actively engaged into our Twitter, you know, some people may think, man, Coach Jay seems like he's always on Twitter. No, it's just the thing is, I know the kids like that and it, it, it's free. We don't got to pay for it. True. It is what it is. Like we do all these things that we're doing because, you know, for us, man, social media is king. You can go on Twitter and search up Bethune Cookman baseball and see a bunch of stuff. And just like you can in all the, you know, all the teams in the SWAC. You know, but but I think that it, it, it's getting there. You know, it's definitely a work in progress, um, you know, but, but I think we're heading in the right direction as a whole and as a conference, as far as baseball is a concern to get the respect that that we we so rightfully deserve across the country. You touched on some for a split second, coach. We've had several conversations, Slim and I, about the at-large bid potential for the conference and what we needed to do. I'm all for it, coach. Go for A. Yeah, yeah, we are. Like, as far as just getting the respect level of the conference, the RPI level, we're going to have to beat the mid-major teams. We're going to have to mm – -hmm. we're going to have to I, not win one game against the LSU or FSU. We're going to have to win a series. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. And when it does, I think the recruiting door is going to blow off for HBCU baseball. No doubt. And, and you have to believe it, man. Mark 923 says anything is possible if you believe. And, and you got to start with that. You know, if you if you don't believe it, it's going to happen, then it ain't going to happen. But if you take it with, you know, a cup half full type of mentality, then we're, we're on our way. You know, why not us? You know, why why can't we get an at-large bid? What what separates us? But, yeah, we, we have to be competitive. We have to be able to compete and, and beat some of these teams, and it is what it is, but it's been done before. Southern beat LSU a couple of years ago. You know, Jackson State has picked up some great wins. I mean, Alabama State's picked up some wins. I mean, Bethune-Cookman took Florida to the regional championship back in 2017, one game away from – blowing that door wide open, you know, um, and other teams have had success against these big schools. So, you know, why not us? I mean, again, this is just me talking, you know, um, I can't speak for everybody else, but if there is, you know, something that I would say is it is going to happen. And I do believe it will happen. And if it does, like we're going to shake some boots because it it is what it is. Man. Yeah, like coach, man. Like I got y'all going to the College World Series this year. <laughs> <laughs> We're a long it's way from long, that, man. man. It, it, listen, man, it's it's a long way, but that that's one of our goals. Yeah. You know, it's it's a long term goal, and again, why not? You know, why can't an HBCU baseball program, you know, go to the College World Series and be a participant there? It's tough. It, it's not easy. You know, the road there, the roadmap is tough. But if you have the pitching depth, and there's a lot of things that have to go in your favor. In order for that to happen, and it's it's a road, you know, kind of road warrior mentality, you know, and and I'll embrace that, you know, if it ever goes to that point, you know, we'll embrace it, and I'm sure every coach will, 
you know, but, but it's all building blocks, man. It's, it's, it's building it brick by brick, you know, and there's been a lot of coaches before us that have given us the platform and the opportunities to, to be where we're at right now, as far as black college baseball is a concern. Um, and it wasn't done by one person It's done together collectively as a group pushing the conference forward. And I think with the group that we have currently, they're going to kind of set the stage and kind of put the stamp on the swag as far as a baseball conference is a concern. And that's, that's my opinion on it. Cause we got a bunch of dudes, man, that get after it all the way across East and West division. Yeah. Like I've always said coach that, um, you know, like baseball was the, one of the sports that for black colleges that could be the closest to come to winning national championship. Just because we've like seen black college uh, programs, like beat power five schools, Jackson State a couple years ago, beating them one team in the country in in, in the regional. Um, you guys, your, your program has, has done very well against Power Five schools, but it it always comes down to the resources that you guys need to be able to accomplish that. And we always thinking like, well, if they pour those resources into baseball instead of football and basketball, they get to see the results. But you know, the world don't work that way. But yeah, like I always think, think like a school like yours and some other schools that we're familiar with could one day like be that those programs and make that breakthrough and get to Omaha. No doubt, man. And, and I really do think it's going to happen, you know, because there's too many things going right for the SWAT conference and for, you know, black college baseball that it, it's going to happen. You know, it, it is again, it starts, it starts off with a vision. It starts off with a belief and, you know, it, it's a blue collar type of approach, man. Like anything that, that we've ever gotten, we we've had to earn, you know, nothing was given to us and I'll take that, you know, a hundred percent each and every day, you know? So again, why not us? Why not the SWAT conference? You know, any team in this conference, you know, can, can do uh, what people think is, is unimaginable. And it's, it's one thing we say, man, this game ain't based on sympathy. No one's going to feel bad for you. And that's the way in life, you know, no one's going to feel bad for you. If things are going good or bad, you just got to keep working, keep getting after it. And we tell our guys to trust the process, right? We got to trust the process as a group, as a conference, and we just keep pushing forward for an opportunity to hopefully one day be a, a, a member to represent the SWAC baseball program in Omaha at the College World Series, no doubt. Well, Coach, we have a segment that we always like to end with called Story Time. We're going to let you take us out with a story. <laughs> you right. can pick whatever version of the story you want to tell. Yeah, whatever story, Coach. Y'all putting me on one. But it is what it is. So we're gonna yeah, keep we do with each other too. <laughs> yes, man. Three con or well, two conference series in. We go and the Itty Bena man. That's a story all on its own. Like people don't realize like we are the the the, the furthest southern school away from everybody. So I'm thinking, hey, 12 hours, 10 hours, we're good. Ain't no 10 hours. That was a 14-hour bus ride in the middle of I don't know where. <laughs> and our hotel was an hour away from the field. But let me tell you, like, that that trip, that was brutal. You know, it was. Um, you know, and I think, too, coming back home, I mean, it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and we got home, like, at 9 o'clock in the morning the next day. It Brutal. But you revert back to the game ain't paced on sympathy. You know, sure. I think it, it makes our guys, you bond together as a team, you know, that that's 28 hours of travel. 
uh, stories are, are all the way across up and down the bus ride, you know, movies and karaoke. And, and it gives a chance for the players to come together, you know. And, and I think that that is why I like being where I'm at. And, and I'll travel by bus because I'm sure you guys have your own experiences on your own bus rides. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure because, yeah. yeah. But that, uh, that, that, that it have been a trip, man, was, was, it is what it is. I'll just leave it at that, you know, but, um, you know, it, it, for our guys, it's just an experience, man, you know, and a 14 hour bus ride to Mississippi, it, it don't feel that. But now when we go two or three hours, it's like, man, we just got here quick, you know? So that, that was, yeah, that, that was, that was crazy, but it is what it is, man. It's all part of it. You know, I enjoy it. You embrace it and you just keep rolling. There was your welcome to the smack mo uh, swipe moment, wasn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. We had our first two series at home and, you know, we, we went to Mississippi and I was like, dang, I didn't think it was this far. So, of course, my coaches are all looking at me like in the hotel, like, yo, we're flying next year. Right. We ain't doing this again. I think this, that's a once in a lifetime experience. So, you know, we got to make some changes. But, you know, it is what it is, man. We're, we're good. Mm -hmm. well, Coach, we thank you again for coming on. We also thank you for supporting. Um, yeah, early in the year, in the first episode, when we looked at the schedule, we was like, man, what in the world is coach thinking? Mm -hmm. But, but we love it, though. Right, but... You They're know, trying to win the Cosmo World Series, Ralph. That's what he was doing, man. Right. There you, you go. Know, but <laughs> getting to talk to you over time and understand your philosophy and who you are as a person and as a coach, it makes sense now. Yeah. So, much success going forward. Um, Tigers every day, but much success to the Wildcats, Coach. When y'all ain't playing, us, we'll chill for you. <laughs> nah, you're good, man. Like, um, I thank you guys for for having me on and and you know speak about our program here, but doing and um, like you guys are doing a phenomenal job, man. So um, just keep doing what you're doing, keep plugging away. Um, I'll be listening every week, you know, refreshing my Spotify because I think you guys do a great job and the vibe that you guys have is is second to none. So uh, we appreciate you um, highlighting HBCU baseball and black college baseball as a whole. So thank you very much. Um, I know you guys are Tigers, but I got to go hail Wildcats one time. <laughs> <laughs> we get to you, Coach. We get to you, Coach. We'll get Good to stuff, you. Coach. Good All stuff. Right, Good stuff. We appreciate it. Um, we'll be reaching out again, um, potentially for some players, if that's possible. Uh, but much success, Coach. And um, we'll, I'll be in touch with you. Yeah, All right, we'll see you at Swag Yeah, we're probably going to be at Swag T. Yeah. All right. There you go. For sure, for sure. All All right, thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. All right, Coach. We yep. appreciate you. Fellas, what y'all think, man? Great episode. Great appreciate episode. Appreciate y'all, man. That was good, man. Yeah, man. That was great. We should have asked Coach Hernandez for a hat, though. Hold on. Yes. Coach, we got to What's bring up? you back. Um, Go slam. Yeah. Um, we want to know if we can get one of those hats. Yeah. We try to collect yeah, all the HBCU teams. Just, yeah, trying to collect hats, man. Yeah. Y'all got a so dope hat, man. So here's the we'll question. The <laughs> if I give you a hat, do you rock it at Jackson State? Just a random day? No, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I want the yard. I want the yard. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I will. Yeah, this hat on at, on at fourteen hundred Lynch, a Bethune hat. Hey man, who I I I get run out of town, coach. 
Nah, you good. I got you guys. <laughs> you guys, you guys I'm on a job. There, there you go. Pop it up. You good? Nobody gonna see it. You good right there? Yeah, yeah but I'll get. You. Nah, I got you. Appreciate sure. you, Appreciate yep. you coach. All right, and oh yeah, tell Malik stop stealing home. <laughs> I like that, didn't you? Huh? Yeah, that was, that was sweet. Sometimes you gotta let dogs just roll and do what they do. Man, go Bethune. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Nice to see you, coach. Uh, <laughs> all right, fellas, that was it. Um, no, nah, I can't wear that hat on campus. Coach Johnson no. kicked me, coach Johnson kicked me at the gate. Oh, well, <laughs> I wasn't talking about going to the game, man. I'm like, I walk down the strip with it, and then by the time I get to the baseball, uh, baseball field, I switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we're a rally cap on that bad boy. Right. All right, but hey man, thank you to the baseball guys for letting us come together and do this again. Hey, man. Um, we're gonna be back with y'all again next week. Check us on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and Twitter, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram. We everywhere, man. We out here. Coach Hernandez feed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I put Coach Hernandez's Twitter handle in in the description of the video, so everybody can go follow Coach and Bethune. So we out of here, boys on the hill. Slim, watch Jeezy, Peace. and our brother Thomas Black in his absence. Till the next time, we out.